This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Ambulatory Surgery Center's podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Andrew Lovewell, Administrator of the Surgical Center at Columbia Orthopedic Group in Columbia, Missouri, and CEO of The Lodge at Keene Street. Andrew, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Laura. I really appreciate you having me. Looking forward to our conversation. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about today, looking at the healthcare industry in general, and then some ASCA-specific points as well. But before we dive into that, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Andrew Lovewell. Uh, I am the administrator here at the Surgery Center at Columbia Orthopedic Group and the CEO of the Lodge at Keene Street, um, which is a uh, unique stay suite model for uh, post-operative total joints and spine patients. Um, I've been here um, at this surgery center for three years. We are partners with Value Health in our surgery center and our stay suites, uh, the management company out of Kansas City. Prior to this role, I was the department administrator for the surgery department at SIU Medicine in Springfield, Illinois. I was responsible for all operational and financial goals of the department. We had about 75 surgeons, um, 90 residents, and 300 support staff. Prior to joining SIU, I spent six years with MU Healthcare in Columbia, Missouri, in various roles, including finance, revenue management, privacy and compliance, data analytics, and pharmacy. Wow. So your career and experience expands so many different topics and areas. It's just so interesting. How did you find yourself finally as an administrator of a surgery center and CEO of the Lodge at Keene Street? Well, you know, I kind of had this interesting journey through just taking on challenges that I felt like were worthy because, you know, I, I started out in college as somebody who wanted to be in the healthcare field, wasn't quite sure what what aspect that looked like, if it was pharmacy, um, healthcare law, finance, and ultimately ended up uh, kind of in the finance and administration world, and just worked my way up through the systems, uh, took various roles and opportunities that uh, were very, very um, exciting, but also challenging and unique. And then um, we just, uh, my wife and I found an opportunity to kind of come back to Columbia, where we call home, and, and that's kind of how I landed here. Oh, fantastic. Well, it must be, you know, really, really interesting to bring all of that into this ASC space. Now, when you're looking at the healthcare industry in general, what are the top two or three most interesting trends that you're following right now? I think the, the most interesting trends that I am following, they're, they're probably similar for many other ASC administrators, but for me, it's the ASC and uh, hospital outpatient department rates and the inpatient only list and then value-based care and, and bundles. So, so when we talk about the ASC and HOPD rates and the inpatient-only list, um, I got a honestly a pretty big unsettling feeling that what CMS has, has finalized as the 2022 final rule this year is just a starting point. It, it's kind of funny because you know CMS um, just recently had plans to eliminate the inpatient-only list altogether. And that was extremely celebrated amongst um, ASC administrators. But now we fast forward and their plan to eliminate is all of a sudden gone. In, in fact, they're taking procedures back on the inpatient only list without any rationale whatsoever. Um, so I guess for me, there's, there's maybe a fear that we have a, an approach on being non-progressive and trending towards what consumers are actually demanding today. And then on top of that, you know, the value-based care and bundles that I talked about, 
I think as we dive into value-based care, it's extremely important that we as a healthcare community really define what that is. There's certainly differences from place to place on how it's defined and, and how it works, but for me, it's pretty simple. Value equals quality, which is outcomes, patient experience, service, and, and access as the numerator over cost, which is the denominator. So if we can keep this equation in mind, you know, I think us as ASCs and ASC administrators are, are really poised to win on the value proposition. We, we really offer great outcomes, incredible patient experience and, and service. We're easy to get into. The check-in process is super simplified. Um, and you couple that with a low-cost setting, you're, you're going to see where ASCs are going to capitalize and win in the future. And then the big opportunity on top of that is we really have to provide value to not just our patients, but payers as well. And I think one way we can do that is through transparency, bundles, and being able to tell people upfront what something's going to cost. You know, we live in this time where people want to know what the cost is. They don't just want transparency. Many people expect it. Just just think about for a second. There's there's no other industry where you don't know the cost of something ahead of time. The automobile industry, we know what the price is on an oil change or a new car. When you go to the grocery store, we know what a loaf of bread costs. You know, the travel industry, we know how much we're going to pay for the Airbnb or the VRBO we stay in. But when it comes to healthcare, there's always been an excuse. It's too complicated. We don't know what your insurance is going to cover. It depends on what they find. You, you name it. We've always had excuses. But we have to do better. And, and for us to do it, it just simply means being transparent, being able to give an upfront price on what something's going to cost. And, and if we can demonstrate that our outcomes for that price are very fair or above average, it's just another value add. That makes a lot of sense. And it, you know, it's really fascinating to think about how ASCs could fit into value-based care and the trending healthcare environment going accelerating to that, especially through the pandemic. Is it your sense that ASCs in general are ready for this type of change? I know many are welcoming that, but what does it really take in order to live in that value-based world and, and be very data-driven about what the surgeries are as well as costs? I think some ASCs are there. You know, I would say for, for – I'll give you an example about my surgery center. So I, I came three years ago, and, and we talked about being ready for, for value-based care, but I don't know that we were 100% there. And I, I think a lot of ASCs talk about it, but I don't know that they're all there. And I don't think it's going to happen. It's not like walking in a room and flipping a light switch on. It's going to take some time, effort, and energy by ASCs to, to get there. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into – you know, if you're going to offer bundles, there's downstream provider contracts. If you're going to be the convener, um, if you're going to track your outcomes, you got to figure out which platform makes sense for you and for patients. What's easiest? So I, I think that it's a stepwise fashion and and march to the finish line. It's not, you know, let's let's just consider this to be a a sprint. Um, it's going to take time for all the surgery centers and ASCs out there to get ready. But if, if they're not making plans to get ready or, or they're not ready already, um, my encouragement is to just, just get there. You know, get there, make progress, little steps, it's important, but, but just figure out a way to get your surgery center, your staff, your physicians, everybody else on board and, and headed in that value-based um, approach because it's coming. You know, it, it's, it, it's like the old uh, Game of Thrones thing, like winter is coming, value-based care is coming. It's here. 
Uh, that's a really great point and analogy. And, you know, it's so interesting, especially when you look at the payer side in the contracts, what they're really looking for today. Um, how do you see those changing in the next few years? What kind of things do you think payers are going to be demanding or doing um, that will really affect ASCs in the outpatient space? Well, I really hope what we'll see in the future is is that approach from payers to focus on quality, access, outcomes, the, the same thing that's part of that value equation I talked about. So, you know, we've lived in this fee-for-service model with payers for a very long time. And, and it seems like we have the same conversations with our payers, you know, the, the Bucas, the Blue Cross, United, Cigna, Aetna, um, HealthLink. We, we have the same conversation every couple of years. As the facility or the providers, we always say, well, we need higher reimbursement because cost goes up. The payer turns around and they say, well, we need to lower your reimbursement or keep it flat because our costs went up. It, it's, it's a circular conversation that really ends up nowhere. And ultimately, the person who is, is the least mentioned during the conversation is the patient. The patient's the most important part of the element, though. I mean, they're the ones who are out there having the high deductibles, the high premiums. They're the ones who are on the hook for this. So... We, we have to make sure that we keep the patient at, at the forefront of what our conversation is. So I think if we, if we can work together and, and try to move the needle to see things get better for everybody, we, we have to push towards that value-based care and, and for quality and outcomes. And, and by that, I don't mean that we, we just push and we say, okay, this is a race to the bottom. Let's just figure out who's the cheapest and move on. That's not value. That doesn't mean that that's value. It's not something where we can just say, let's just let's just iron this out overnight. It's going to be a long haul to get to where I think many of us payers, providers want to be. But the most important thing is that we, we got to have those open, honest conversations. And I think if we can start doing that and start talking about simple things like sharing outcomes data or payers comparing cost models for appropriateness and levels of care to understand the, the there's differentiating factors between ASCs, HOPDs, inpatient hospitals. Um, that's going to be huge. I mean, for our surgery center, we, we've been tracking outcomes for quite a while. And, and we can demonstrate, based on national data, that our outcomes are better than our competitors. Does that mean that any regional insurance plan has a steerage program towards us? No, they don't. They, they haven't been able to figure that out in plan design. But we know what we can do is very, very good and very attractive for patients. And, and I think, more importantly, we feel like patients should know what we can do is good for what they're paying for. So, you know, fundamentally, it's simple, but it takes a lot of work to do it. Absolutely. That really makes a lot of sense. And I had one other question too, when looking at insurance companies and their policies, I know you talked a little bit earlier in our conversation about CMS moving procedures from the ASC payable list um, and then some that they had taken off the, uh, the hospital inpatient only list and, and putting them back on. Um, do you see private insurers doing the same type of things and having the same type of movement between procedures that had been approved at the surgery center going back to the hospital? Or do you really see them, you know, paving their own way and keeping things in the surgery center um, and seeing the value in that as well? I think it largely depends on the payer, to, to be honest. You know, in our market, we've seen United Healthcare be very progressive. Um, they were the first ones that 
took a stab at wanting to have MSK or ortho procedures kind of driven towards the ASC. In fact, they came out with a list uh, two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, where there were hundreds of ortho procedures they would not approve in an HOPD. And, you know, I think they took aim at trying to save money and and have procedures done in a a cost-appropriate setting. I think that we might continue to see that from some payers, but some other payers that just aren't there, you know, they do tend to follow what CMS and Medicare comes up with. I I hope they don't, to be honest, because I think it's very short-sighted. But it really just depends on the payer and the market. You know, we have a large portion of our patients that are, are Blue Cross Blue Shield, and they historically haven't been to that position where they've been as progressive as like a Cigna or United for us. But, you know, we've had several conversations that have, have gone um, pretty far down the road and establishing bundle rates and, and things like that with them, but they just don't have a claim system that's that's able to adjudicate it. So I, I really, really hope that payers can can see through it what CMS is doing and realize that, okay, you know, we've paid for these for X number of months or X number of years and, and the quality has been there and they've saved money. So why wouldn't they want to continue? And I mean, that's, that I think is the bigger question to the payers. It's like, why wouldn't you want to save money if the quality is the same or better and the access is better for your member? Got it. I, I think that makes a ton of sense and is really good to know and, you know, perspective heading into the future. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, what is your top advice for ASC administrators to build in a great culture and then make sure they're sustaining success going forward? I think it really starts with just talking to your staff. You know, you they're the ones doing the work. They're the ones working with patients, with the surgeons, dealing with the day in and day out. So getting their open, honest feedback and, and then trying to execute on what's important to them, it, it's, it's big. You know, I think once you figure out what that is, what, what, once you get a sense of what the staff feel is essential, you need to then engage the physician board or the management team. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate here. I've got a very engaged board of surgeons. And, and like I said, we're affiliated with Value Health, and they're a employee-focused company. So, we, we are very lucky to be able to do a lot of different programs and, and provide a lot of unique benefits for our staff. So we have a huge employee engagement committee that's very good, and there's representation from each part of our facility on that committee as well, which, which also means that each voice is heard. And I, I know it kind of goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyways. The simple things go a long way saying thank you, providing, you know, a gift card, carrying in coffee in a busy morning, providing lunch. It seems like food goes a long way. Um, you got to go that extra mile to let the staff know that they're appreciated and they're valued. I think you've also got to know what motivates each person because it's not the same for everybody. You know, being able to sit down with employees and understand what they feel like is valuable is pretty essential. And I think you have to be able to set each unique employee up for their own personal success and get a good understanding of why that's important to them. A majority of my staff, you know, they they feel like providing high-quality patient care is the most important thing, and that's a high motivator for them. So me being in a position where I can give them the tools that they need to do that is essential, you know. And our, our center is very successful, but none of that would be possible without our staff. You know, they are the heart and soul 
of our facility. And I think when we get recognition, like, you know, the number one Newsweek ASC in the state, our staff, they they want to know that that was because of them. So we, we reward them for that. You know, we have a carry-in or we'll give out bonuses or we do different stuff. So I think it's it's just important that you kind of get your feet on the ground and, and go and talk to the staff, you know, have one-on-ones with them, take them to lunch, stuff like that. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been really an interesting discussion, some really valuable information here and, and tips as well. So uh, we appreciate your time and look forward to connecting with you again soon. Yeah, thank you so much. It was my pleasure.